0: as we finish talking about the attributes of god that we've chosen and then on i think it's the 19th if that's my is that the third sunday someone if those were good with those calendars in their brains but whatever it's the third sunday wait wait, wait maybe it's the second yeah third must be the fourth the 19th actually i think it's next week that, um, Anyhow, um, Steve Berry is going to begin a series on the book of Revelation, and uh, so we're looking forward to that, and uh, he's been preparing for that. Let me start with a prayer. Father, we thank You that um, You rule and reign all things well. And if it's one thing that your children have is the ability to say that we are children. We're weak and frail. We do not know everything. And that's why it's such a wondrous privilege to have a father who who cares for us and directs our paths and walks with us. We pray that this morning uh, as we look at another one of your attributes or characteristics of the way that you reveal yourself to us that it would cause us to break forth in praise and worship for what a great God you are. We thank you for that in revealing yourself so wondrously and and, and personally through Christ our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. This morning, the attribute of God that we're going to be looking at is that He, His omnipresence. Paul Little has described it this way. He says, our Lord is everywhere at once. In Chicago, in Calcutta, in Cairo, in Caracas. And when we consider the attribute of God's omnipresence, we we need to think that there are three of the characteristics of God that are described with omni, that word all that you put in there together. And so we've already looked at God's omniscience, we've already looked at his omnipotence, and today we're looking at his omnipresence. So, if you look at the three of them together, because God reveals Himself this way—that He is all, con, all uh, He consumes all—in all three of these, um, God knows what needs to be done. That's His omniscience. God has the power to do it. <laughs> That's His omnipotence. And God is always wherever he needs to be to do whatever needs to be done, that's his omnipresence. Now when we say that God is omnipresent, we mean that he's every point in space with the whole of his being. There's not a place in this whole world where God is any less than any other place. And we speak of that in two ways. We speak about His transcendence, and we'll be looking at that in a little bit, that God is everywhere in the universe. It doesn't matter how many light years away or how many galaxies away, He is all there, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, in all of His completeness, to every the stretches of His creation. So, we talk about God's transcendence, that He fills all, that He is that God who is there in all of His characteristics and persons. But at the same time, we speak about God's imminence, that He's not just out there everywhere, but He's particularly with us close by. And so, both of those, as we look at God's omnipresence, are important His transcendence and His imminence. Uh, To describe God's um, omnipresence, Thomas Watson, the Puritan, has said it this way, God is not confined to any place, he is infinite and so he is present in all places at once. The Theologian Charles Hodge said it this way, God is equally present with all his creatures at all times and in all places. Now, to lay a further groundwork, we, of course, need to go to the place we find out that these things are true and revealed to us. It's the Scripture. So the prophet Jeremiah has asked some questions in Jeremiah 23. So let's turn there. Jeremiah 23 verses 23 and 24, the prophet is uh, asking uh, these questions, and they're really rhetorical questions. They're, they're talking about God that don't need answered because he's talking about the characteristic of God and this attribute of his. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 23 and 24. God says, "Am I a God at hand?" declares the Lord, "And not a God far away?" Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth? And so, you know, you get a sense here of both the transcendence. There's not a place in heaven and earth that God isn't, but he's also at hand right? And so if he is omnipresent, he is in all of those places. If you want to talk again about God's transcendence, in Deuteronomy 4.39 it says this, know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. So that he is transcendent. He's all those places. But if we would talk about God's imminence, that especially on earth, there's no place that we can go in Him not being there, I would imagine that most of you can pick a psalm that's pretty familiar that you'll be able to tell me where it is that it talks about that. Now, can you do it? Where is that psalm that says that there isn't a place that we can go where God isn't? Excuse me? Yes. Do you know which verse is? You're, you're getting warmer. Yeah, yeah, let's turn to Psalm 139 because it's really here. And uh, you got so close. It's really uh, probably the middle third, not just the second half, but I'd say that's pretty good. We'll give you uh, big points there. Psalm 139, let's look at verse seven. In fact, why don't you read those for us? Seven to 12. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and tell the cold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and all the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, the night shines as, as of the day, the darkness So there isn't a place that we could possibly go that God isn't there with all of his presence and all of his care for us. Um, And one of the difficulties that often happens is we'll take this attribute of God and we'll attribute it to the devil. You know, someone would say, Ah, the devil's really plaguing me today, right? And if someone else said the devil devil's really plaguing me in there in Chicago and you're in Caracas, can that be true? It can't be. The devil is a created creature. He's only in one place at one time. Hmm. Brain's ticking away here? Are you trying to figure that out? The devil tempted me. Huh. Mm, I see I see faces. I see mm. it's an angel, a fallen angel, a spiritual being, so I mean
1: he's not confined by time and space like we are. So and he's called the Prince of the Air, so we know that he's uh people saying things in the world and it's More than one place at one time
0: to the size of the world, so I don't know. So, devil is a created being, right? Um, A fallen angel, right? What what do we know about another? What's the name of another angel or two that we actually know a name of? There aren't very many we know their names. Okay. Fred, no, it's. <laughs> right? But, but, but they appear at a place, right? We never see them more than one place at a time in the scripture. the created beings. Now, the difficulty that we have is it seems that the devil has a host of subjects, of demons, that in some way he's able to send um, out to serve him. But it's not the devil per se, he might, we might be having devilish thoughts or uh, thinking the way he does or attacked by some of his demons, but not all of us can be attacked by the devil at one time because he doesn't have this characteristic of being omnipresent. One of the things we remember in the book of Job, what happens when, when, uh, when uh, Satan comes before God? What does, what does he say? Where does he say he's been? Hmm? I've been out going back and forth across the earth, but he didn't say, I'm everywhere at once, and I, and I knew there, right? He had, to, he had to travel as any created being does, however he does. I, this isn't a study on Satan per se, but, it, but it's a study that did not give this characteristic that's God's to one of his created beings, and especially the devil. You know, uh, he doesn't have the same powers. He's not as strong. He's not just a mini-god. Right? He is an enemy of God. He has been given powers that we're not looking at right now uh, to do a lot of things and, 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 and he has his cadre of beings, uh, however they are, which we're not looking at today, but he's not God. So we have to be careful as we look at this great, wondrous characteristic of God, not attributed to the devil. You know? the, the battle is not, always, not only won at the cross of Christ that we'll see in the end, but it was never fair. <laughs> God has always been God. Yes, uh, this is a mystery it's All
1: uh, the attributes of God and we can't fully understand them because we tend to want to, tend to morphize God in ways that we think and so we have to be content with accepting something that we don't fully understand and I'm happy to do that the whole issue of Satan uh, is way he works in our lives. I think the one one thing we can keep in mind, and we often confuse, is that God is the only omnipresent being, spirit, entity, whatever. And Satan is
0: not that. There is something that
1: is omnipresent, and that is the effects of the fall. They are with
0: us everywhere. They are with us in our own lives and the lives of every person
1: that ever has, does, or will walk in their and they're evident in creation, because creation fell as well. It's not. It's no longer perfect, we have earthquakes and volcanoes. And so, um, sometimes we confuse the effects of the fall and blame it on Satan, per se, at this particular moment in time. I think we have to keep that in mind, that, that um, the fall, sin, which was a a choice of our historical parents and of each of us every minute of every day. Um, That is what causes us in Maine many of the difficulties that we have because we continue to make fallen decisions and not trust on them. Sin comes from our
0: evil desire. I I want to comment on both of these things and I saw another hand I'll probably go with, but I don't want to spend a long time on Satan and his stuff today, but part of what we get here is, yes, the fall, who Satan tempted Adam and Eve, the fall has affected all of us in our own hearts. Remember the old Flip Wilson thing, the devil made me do it, right? The devil doesn't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. It's your own heart, your own broken, sinful, fallen heart that wants to do the thinking of the devil. His, His world view even though he's not everywhere at once, has permeated the world because it's a broken, sinful way we think outside of God, so that has permeated the whole world. And so the world, humans think devilish thoughts all the time. The world system is a system that's not uh, built on God's principles. And so that's out there. We live, breathe, breathe it, think it all the time. And so that's part of why we even get in, into that. Greg, you had your hand up finally. Anyway. Oh, that
1: yeah, um, you know, God's god
0: well, yeah, no, God. In, it's in Isaiah around 45, but He says, "I, I, I create light. I create darkness. I create the good things, and I create calamity." You know, it's He's if He's not sovereign over even the what we call the the hard providences, then He's not. Then He's not God. One of the one of the let's I'm going to follow this just because it's so relevant. One more step, but then we will get back to God and this uh, and is being on the present. I want you to turn to the book of Job and see if I can find it. It's around uh, Job. God is Satan. Absolutely you know if god if god didn't have his god wasn't everywhere restraining by his power evil it wouldn't just be one of the congress people that were shot yesterday yeah. you know they would be shot all the time. I mean, it's not just because they're so terrible and evil, but you'd have our own hearts not liking something, and as we rage up inside and say, I'm going to kill that person, right? I mean, if all the times we had killed someone in our hearts actually happened, and God's grace hadn't restrained us, we'd all be in trouble. Um, And in in the book of Job... um, I want to look at the place where it talks about his uh, restraining the wind and the whirlwind and directing them because it's so helpful here. Book of Job is right before the Psalms. See if I can. Uh, yeah, Job 37. And the reason I'm I'm looking at this is because um, we're going to be praying today. And 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 if you if you're on the email, did some of you get an email this week about uh, one of our chaplains, Mark Levine, and uh, he's serving at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And um, uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, this is a really large military installation, and a tornado set down and destroyed 70 houses. And uh, by God's grace, most of the people, normally 50,000 people there, um, on this uh, military reservation, but they had uh, basically a two-week holiday where everybody could go back. Uh, Many went back to their families and traveled during this two-week time, and it happened in the morning, so that even though 70 houses were destroyed, there was four minor injuries. Um, um, and yet, uh, Mark has been has had the privilege, being the post one of the post chaplains, to to preach this week about God. And, you know, in, I remember being in Western Pennsylvania, and the television reporter comes on talking to this to this uh, pastor whose part of his church was destroyed, and and the pastor said, "Oh, God had nothing to do with this, you know, and uh, because he didn't, he wanted to try to protect God from ever." having bad things happen. But if we look at the book of Job, chapter 37, uh, it could be to the snow, we'll start there in verse 6, but it's also to the winds, Job 37, verse 6, for to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and likewise to the downpour, his mighty downpour, he seals up the hands of every man, that all men may know he made it, excuse me, that all men he made may know it, then the beasts go into their layers and remain in their dens, from its chamber comes the whirlwind, from the cold, the scattering winds, by the breath of God ice is given, the broad waters are frozen fast, he loads the thick cloud with moisture, he scatters his lightning, they turn around by his guidance. To accomplish all that He commands them on the face of the habitable world, whether for correction or for His land or for love, He causes it to happen. And so, it also talked about the whirlwind earlier, I didn't go back quite that far, but you know, God causes it to happen. He he purposes where each snowflake goes. Not only does He make each snowflake individually different, but they all add up uh, even to where they fall according to His purposes, He's that much in control. Going back to God's omniscience on um, the present, excuse me. Um, we also, um, it's, it should be a scary thing for the believer. I mean, for the unbeliever, that God is everywhere and sees everything. We, we uh, and and for the believer, it, it should cause us awe. It, it should cause us that God is with us wherever we are at any time. There there isn't a place. You and I can get away from others and we think that people aren't watching. Um, We tend to pick and scratch and do things when others aren't watching, but God is always there. And it's not just those goofy habits we have, but it's what we think and what we say and what we're watching and what we're reading and what we're doing. That, that, that we are under Christ because we love Him shouldn't be doing many of the things we're doing when God is there watching but the, but the world that thinks there is no God he's watching every one of those things. J.C. Ryle puts it this way um, well first the scriptures, two of the scriptures that talk about this in Proverbs 15:3, it says the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. How sad it is that we give that attribute to Santa Claus. You know, he sees you when you're sleeping, you know. You know, kids, be good because Santa's watching. What's that? Well, be good because God is watching. You know, St. Nicholas, who there was that guy, never had that ability right A created being hebrews 4:13 no creature is hidden from god's sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account so all of us will give account Uh, The the wonder of being a Christian is that we're accounted under the work of Christ to obey perfectly. But God still watches and to please him and not offend him and not break his commands. We purpose not to do these things, but, but the world must know that God is always watching and they will stand before him on Judgment Day because he's been there for every one of their sins every thought everything they've done god is there he is omnipresent jc ryle would have our hearts sobered with these comments he says this endeavor i beg you to realize this fact remember that you have to deal with an all-seeing god a god who never sleeps a god who understands your thoughts and with whom the night shines is the day You may leave your father's house and go away like the prodigal into a far country and think there's nobody to watch your conduct but the eyes and ears of God are there before you. You may deceive your parents or employers. You may tell them lies or act one way before their faces and another way behind their backs. But you cannot deceive God. He knows you through and through. He heard what you said when you came in here today. He knows what you're thinking at this minute. He has set your most secret sins in the light of his countenance, and they will one day come out before the world to your shame, except that you take heed. Young Joseph in Egypt understood this well, and when his employer's wife tempted him, there was no one in the house to see them, no human eye to witness against him, but Joseph was one who lived as seeing him that is invisible. And Joseph said as he he ran from that sin, you know, that's, that's the whole thing that, Jesus, that Joseph did. He, he fleed. He fled from Pharaoh's wife. Right? And the reason he fled, he said this in Genesis 39.9, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He said, God's here right now. God would know. God is watching. And so God's omnipresence should help restrain our sin. And it should be a terror to the non-Christian, but for the Christian, it should be an encouragement um, to help us in our own sin. I want to actually um, spend time talking about God's omnipresence to encourage you, though. Um, It should be part of our preaching to the non-Christian. The truth is, they're going to have to give account for their unrighteous behavior and that they haven't loved God and followed Him. For the Christian, it should help us with our unrighteous behavior. We realize that God is there and if we love Him and serve Him, we don't want to displease Him. But Psalm 9 is a psalm I want you to go to. And thinking through this for a while now has changed my prayer life and, and into, to the praise of God and praying differently for people. Maybe I can challenge you in this today too. But Psalm 9 starts off this way. As the psalmist David gives great praise to God. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds and I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High." Now if if you follow the whole psalm, which we're not going to do, David is praising God for different things. And part of it is that he had enemies and God is going to be just and though he can't fight his enemies, God will bring forth his justice. But particularly in verses 9 and 10, it's this God's presence with David in the midst of his struggles that he has caused to break forth and sing and praise God. Look at Psalm 9, 9 and 10. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in time of troubles. And those who you know, who know your name, put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You see, David in Psalm 9, if he would follow the whole psalm, is being attacked as David often was and he was in great, great difficulty but in the midst of it he is praising God because he has a safe place to go even when everything is very hard. God, you are with me. You're the stronghold I can run to. You have not forsaken me. And you never will forsake me. One of the things that David said in one of the Psalms is, though father and mother forsake me, you will never forsake me. And what do we know about David? David's son rose up against him. Those who would think your family should never forsake you, they forsook and became his enemies. But here we see that David's praise of God is because you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And what he means is, you will never be away from me. I want to challenge you. The atheists of the world and the devil, and sometimes even your own believing heart, will say this sometimes. God is nowhere. You might say, nowhere to be found. The world would say that, the devil would say that, our own unbelieving hearts would say, God is nowhere, but we must preach something different. We must preach to ourselves and to the world, God's omnipresence, and take that same statement and change it. The world says, God is nowhere, but we say, God is now here. Exact same words exact same letters but the truth is God is now here and and in thinking about God's omnipresence it's really begun to change my prayer life because have you ever said or prayed this I have many times God would you be with so-and-so ever prayed that God I really want you to be with so-and-so Do you need to pray that prayer No, God is with so-and-so. He wouldn't be God if he wasn't with so-and-so. He is there with all of his attributes, all of his strength, all of his justice, all of his love, all of his goodness. He is with so-and-so. That's a goofy prayer. I've prayed it goofiness thousands of times. I need to pray that God would reveal himself to so-and-so, that God would open the eyes if so-and-so is a Christian, that he would remember the promises that God is with him right now. All right? But if we're praying, God you be with so-and-so, then we're denying that he's omnipresent. He was there. Never left them for a moment. They might have tried to leave him. The prophet Isaiah in an interesting uh, excuse me it was Elijah turn to 2nd kings chapter 6 the kings had come against um, Elijah and the prophet and the kingdom of Israel uh, the armies were out around them 2nd kings chapter 6 verses 15 to 17 Do me a favor, keep track, don't raise your hand during the time. But in the next few months, during the pastoral prayer, if I ever pray, "Oh God be with so and so, will you remind me afterwards? 2 <laughs> <laughs> Kings six fifteen to 17 When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city, And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And the prophet Elijah said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And I think the right prayer that we need to pray is God open their eyes. Now, do I think he's going to start getting lots of reports from, uh, you know, people going out and looking up and seeing horses and chariots? Um, no, I don't think that. But I think we need to have God open their eyes to these truths, the truths of His Word. And I'm going to take time for us, and if you're a Bible marker, I'm a Bible marker. And I put notes all throughout my Bible, and I have a special particular places where I keep lists of scriptures to encourage my heart, because I don't, I don't, my brain is such that I don't remember often when I need it, so I keep that little list. And I am, a pres- I am a person that can get easily discouraged. I am a person that could look at the situation rather than God. And even like Peter, when the little girl came up to him at the fire, remember he had been with Jesus for three years and Jesus is going to be crucified and the little girl comes up, you know him, didn't you? And he swears at her and leaves, you know, and he's afraid. I can get scared away by the littlest thing. You know, my, my emotions go up and down. I'm not always strong as I should be unless I come back and look at God's promises. And, beloved, I need these for my heart. I need to know often God is there right now. And as soon as I remember that and my heart is buoyed up by that, I'm fine. You know, I can do what's needed. But I I so easily get into this thing, I'm in it alone. I'm by myself. What am I gonna do? right? And for each of us that know Christ, God in his fullness is omnipresent with us. He, in all of his attributes to help us, and he has given us promise after promise in his word that when we get like that, we can go and preach the truth to ourselves and become strong again in Christ. I need this. This attribute of God, I easily forget. Um, Sometimes when I'm sinning, (laughs) I'm sinning as if God isn't there, and so I need it that way, but I also need it a lot because I can become easily discouraged. Because I know I don't have the strength or the ability to fight these things, but when I understand that God is with me and He's for me and He's my stronghold and He's promised to strengthen me, i radically changed. I go to places I wouldn't go. I have the ability to stand where I wouldn't stand. So, I don't know if you're a list maker or not, but if I would encourage you as we go through the scripture to make your little list somewhere. And when you get discouraged or overwhelmed or you're looking at the situation and forgetting that God's there and all of his power and glory and characteristics, then you can go to this list and say, ah, I feel this way. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is I'm a person that often, I don't show it outside, you wouldn't, except when I'm preaching or something, if I were with you, just with you, I'd smile and I'm nice, but I don't, don't, you wouldn't see these ups and downs, you know, I'm not manic and, you know, but inside, I'm a person that's run by my feelings so often, it's easy to get discouraged, but as soon as I come back and remember who God is, Cause I'm weak and frail. I, I can put a nice exterior to you. I've got this handled. Of course, I'm your pastor. I know the truths of God. I'm a God of man. I can act like that. But inside, I'm terrified. I don't have that strength. I realize, how can I help this person? I'm just a to sh- sh- like they are. You know? I, I have fears and worries, and I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be. Right, But when I come back and say, oh, but this is the truth. God, by his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, is with me and all of his power and strength to enable me to do exactly what I need to do as your pastor, as a man of God, as a husband, as a father. By myself, I'm absolutely terrified at those things. Or if I go off and do it in my own strength, I'm a bull in a china shop and I break every piece of china. I get through the shop, but everything's destroyed. But if I remember that God is with me and promised to help and enable me, I have to preach this to myself all the time. So this is a few of my list verses that I go back to and I rejoice as David did because God is with me in the fullness of his power and glory and strength and care. Let's go through them together. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. People believe you. I am your pastor, and you might be in trouble sometime, and I can't get there because I don't have the ability. Maybe my car is broken down or there's a snowstorm. Or maybe you and I will have a fight. Maybe you'll leave a church. Maybe I'll leave a church. People, as much as we love them and we think they'll always come to our aid, Lord Jesus was left alone. His disciples fled to him. Paul speaks about everybody that was with me left me. I hope that I'll always be a faithful pastor and friend to you. But that's not guaranteed. I hope that your wife or husband will always be faithful, spouse to you and there. But that's not guaranteed. Or your children or whoever. We know that's the nature of people who are fickle and frail. But the wondrous thing is the Almighty God, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, will never leave or forsake us and is there with all of his power and glory to help us. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you haven't been looking, I'd encourage you to look at uh, Psalm 34 with me, as it's just listed here so wondrously for us, Psalm 34, verses 15 to 19, Psalm 34, verses 15 to 19. Psalm 34, 15 and 19, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his hear towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off their memory from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers them delivers him out of them all how many afflictions do the righteous have? yeah that's not preached very much today is it? Oh, you're in Jesus. Everything's going to be fine. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Just send in your tithe. No. In fact, the righteous, those who have trusted Christ, those who look to him by faith, are promised many afflictions in this life, and many of them because you trust in him. That's one of the reasons we pray for the persecuted church every week. But you also know that we do it. Psalm 46.1. If you're writing them down and putting them in a place where you can go back to be encouraged because your God is always there on the in the fullness of His glory and power. God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. You don't have to call out and say, Oh Lord, I'm over here, would you come? You Forget me, I need you over here now. Where is he? A very present help in trouble. He's omnipresent. He's with there in the fullness of his power and glory right now. Jesus, as he left, promised the Holy Spirit in the the presence of God. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Hebrews 13, 5, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But as we uh, come to the end, at least talking about this, I want to turn to the psalm that probably all of you know. Many of you know it by heart. What's the Shepherd psalm. The shepherd doesn't leave his sheep. The good shepherd, when enemies come, doesn't run. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He won't leave or forsake them. And uh, this psalm that talks about the Lord Jesus and his death for us on the cross, uh, being with us in our own death at all times. But the psalm 23, let's turn there together. This is probably the king of those places we go to look. God is omnipresent. God is with us at any point. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in greet pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you might come to my aid you might show up right before I die, for you, if I pray real hard, maybe you'll send someone to remind me of the scriptures. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says no matter any of the circumstances we're in, but especially that as we face our death or in that place, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How wondrous. God is never lighter or leaner with you at any point than the other. He is always ready to come to your aid because he is with you. He is your God and Father. He is your stronghold and your refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble. And you often have to preach this to yourself. I'm encouraging all of you, even the women, to become preachers. Not up front on Sundays. But beloved, because of the stuff we're made of, because we're only made of flesh and blood we need to become preachers to ourselves because it's so easy to live by our feeling or look at the situation. Look how big that is. I don't see any way I could possibly deal with this. I'm feeling like this all alone. And all those times what you have to do is preach the truth of who your God is and we can think of all the attributes that we've looked at in particular. But this one today. Your God never leaves or forsakes you because of Christ. And even the whole part here about, you know, God turns away from the evil, but the righteous he'll be close to. What do you do when those times when you've sinned, right? And you're not feeling very righteous, right? Uh Uh-oh. Um, before God's gonna help me now I've gotta go up and make my righteous quota bigger right? because he stays away from the evil but he's close to the righteous right and and I haven't been very nice to my spouse lately right and I haven't been home from work with my children enough and I I, at work I haven't been a very good witness I'm not very righteous right now and so God's gonna you know he's he's far away from the evil close to the righteous I'm kind of in trouble right Maybe he's not so close to me right there, right? Beloved, why are you righteous? What makes you righteous? Christ, right? And that's what you claim now, right? You claim Hebrews, right? You say, oh God, I am not righteous. There's never been a day I'm righteous. I have the ability and I can come into your presence with boldness because I am righteous with Christ. Should you repent of your sin? Yes. Should that be a reminder that you want to live for Christ? Yes. But you don't have to say, uh-oh, before God can help me now, I've got to go up and get my righteousness quote. I've got to get the balances at least better here. And we're tempted to do that, aren't we? Huh? But the righteousness we have, God is close to the righteous and he is close to us because of Christ. Let's turn to Hebrews as we end this passage just to settle on that and you know it. Hebrews, if I can get the right passage, I think it's Hebrews 4, but I just want you to see it so clearly. Yes, Hebrews 4 and starting in verse 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we are righteous? Because we ever will be righteous that we have this confidence? No, we are righteous because our high priest has made a sacrifice for us. And of course our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, has sacrificed himself for us. That the life he lived and the death he gave is what brings us into the presence of God. Therefore, we can come with confidence, knowing that we will receive help and mercy in time of need because of what the righteous one has done to make us righteous. What a hope. What an encouragement. God is omnipresent in all of his power and glory, ready to help you now with each of the things that you face in your life this day and this week and this year. Let's look to him. Father, one of the hardest things we'll ever face is to be lonely, to be on our own and by ourselves. We thank you for fellowship we have in Christ. We thank you for family. We know that the reality that even if they wanted to be with us at all times, even if they weren't fickle and sinful at times and would forsake us or leave us, through their own life being shortened or by their own ability to be there because of snowstorm or situation, people can't always be there. But There's never a moment for your children when we can't come into your presence because you're there. And find you to be our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble, our stronghold and help, where we would find grace and mercy in time of need. May, O oh God, we learn what it is to walk with you, abide with you, and flee to you, that we might rejoice to this world that we are the children of God and we have a Father who will never leave us or forsake us because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ, and the empowerment of your spirit. Amen.